we've got to do the work, right? The work of having a horizon mindset and an end state, a working from the end and coming backwards and saying, I'm going to spend time in my imagination, really thinking about what I want in the mm. end. That horizon is going to inform my today. It's going to be a reflection of what I really believe is going to be the outcome of my life. And so leveraging success is to say that I want to take everything that you've given me, God, in terms of my wealth, my wisdom, my relationships, the work that I do. And I want to take all that and make sure that it's going in a direction that's going to have an outcome that matters. Welcome to the Leveraging Success Podcast. I'm Jeff Gearhart, your host. We're here to help you work less, make more, and with the margin that you gain from that, to have an incredible kingdom calling, to know your life's mission, and to be an incredible husband and father, all while taking and leveraging your success. I'm here with my partner in this, Rob Dayton. Rob, welcome. Glad that we can be together here in episode two. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing really good. It's uh, a time of year where we're thinking more about family time. You know, these 90 days in the last quarter of the year is the moment where uh, it's everything from weather change to time with family to making plans for who's going where, when, and who's got what, and all of that, which is the race to the end. And at the same time, we have some things to get done before the end of the year. It's not as if it's a 90-day holiday. It's a time where you're packing in holidays, where you're packing in achievement and finishing your goals and trying to get to that that end spot. So we've spent time uh, with family, extra time with family, and all of that is wonderful. Uh, but but anxiety and, and not allowing uh, all these things to overwhelm is an important part of the mix. I put it this way, is that we want to finish well in this season, but not uh, lose sight of what's important. Are, are you guys getting pretty busy or around your place as you start to think about what you're going to do here at the end of the year? Yeah, I totally can relate to that. I just, I've been having some sweet times as you know, we talk about best days in the master's program. And so getting my two quarters in with my two kids was just really, really special taking them away. And then having that, what I call the 15 minutes of fame. It's the, it's the thing that you know, your kid has to hear from you. And knowing that within that space, you know, I spent about 24 hours, a little bit more than that with each kid, uh, that there's going to be 15 minutes where they need, really need to hear from me. So just that intentional moment. And so uh, really had uh, incredible conversations. But I, I totally identify with you. You know, it's like, it, you know, you get to the get closer to the end of the year, all those uh, vacation plans. Exactly. All of these things are what we think about automatically, whether we want to or not. Perhaps it's the uh, the things that are at the store or the changing of the weather or whatever it is. It, it tells us that, that this is on our horizon. Today's topic is what's on your horizon. And, and looking out onto a horizon is, is important. Uh, whether in, in business or life, we've spent most of our success in building it by having something out on the horizon, something that's compelling, a reason with which we would stay the course or go after it or do the hard work. Uh, and with 
us now having things on the horizon with, with holidays, that's a short sprint, but I, I want to talk about, and, and we were talking about this in the, in the prep for today's recording it, is the mindset towards a whole life's horizon and beginning with the end in mind, you know, with that word, Rob, set that up. What's important for us to be thinking about if we're really going to have a meaningful life with any, like I like to say, eternal echo to it, that's going to matter in eternity. What is our horizons thought process to build towards something that'll really matter? It's such a good question to think about. And for the people who are listening because some people are thinking maybe like we just talked about, you know, towards Christmas the next year, some people are planning, you know, the next five years, here's where I'm going to be in a half a decade or maybe even a decade. And then, you know, still fewer are saying, here's where I'm going to be, uh, you know, by the time I'm dead. And then the hardest part, the most difficult thing for us to do is to think, okay, eternity, let's call it 3 million years. Of course, it's more than that. <laughs> yeah. But this section of life is just, a, you know, it's, it's just a, a lily in the field here today, gone tomorrow. And so what is the mindset that I must possess if my horizon is, includes those millions of years in eternity? And what do I have to do in this very fleeting moment to make a difference in that space? We've got to do the work, right? The work of having a horizon mindset and an end state, a working from the end and coming backwards and saying, I'm going to spend time in my imagination, really thinking about what I want in the mm. end without thinking about that. It's going to be somewhat random. Here's a approach that Heather and I take together. We call it our five, 10, 20. And by that, we want to see and be as risky as we can be in five years' time without hurting anything that we want to accomplish in 10 years' time. And then the same mindset towards how far can we stretch ourselves in 10 years that'll still make the 20 good. But the answer started with what do we want in 20 years? And from here to 20 years, things can get variable in terms of health outcomes and where we're going to be at. So let's dream big, but let's have the end game in mind. And, and so the end game is to say that it's Paul's setup, right? Which is that there isn't a bad situation. Either I'm going to be alive and putting treasure into heaven, or I'm going to be with my savior and I'm going to be basking in the eternity that we're all looking forward to. We have to have that end game design and mindset that makes that compelling. And the reason that that has to happen is that if I don't have a compelling outcome, then I'm not going to be willing to do the work, to do the decisions that I need to make today for that to happen. So that horizon is going to inform my today. It's going to be a reflection of what I really believe is going to be the outcome of my life. And so leveraging success is to say that I want to take everything that you've given me, God, in terms of my wealth, my wisdom, my relationships, the work that I do. And I want to take all that and make sure that it's going in a direction that's going to have an outcome that matters. We talk about several books that we like to recommend and to develop this 
end horizon mindset, one book that we love to recommend is the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn. That book is meant for us to enter into our imagination, our dream space, our thought of what will it be like in eternity? What am I expecting? And do we have a mindset with which it's just simple, all we're doing is singing all day, which is wrong? Uh, or are we, am I floating on a cloud with a diaper and a harp? I don't know. No, that's not the way it is. And so the more that I'm developing that heaven understanding, the more that my today is informed by what would I do? I mean, what would compel someone like Peter to suffer for Christ. I mean, it was just an undeniable outcome of what he had seen and been given power to be. And so that kind of uh, thinking is just really important to our everyday. It's the work that I need to do to keep from allowing from my mindset to go towards worry or wealth, which is what Jesus said in Matthew 13 is going to choke out the fruit of my life. So doing the work and, and the mindset Rob, what do you do to do the work and how do you make sure that your mindset on the horizon is something that's compelling that would give you a reason to suffer in today? Well, I think it's really key what you said, Jeff, is that it's your imagination. Yeah. I think that we miss this really important point about what what are your imaginations about? You know, at the the baseline level, um, you know, some guys their fantasy life, which is is clearly engaging their imagination, is distracted by porn or something like that. That's really stealing their connection with God. That's what that's what's really on the line here. Is because your imagination, we ex- most of us experience God's voice in that space in our mind, and so if we're not cultivating an imagination that's really focused on heaven, and that book is is just a brilliant mm-hmm. on ramp. If we're not focused on on what God is doing in the space of eternity, it's going to make a huge difference in how we dream and then consequently how we do the work. So for me, one of the things when we're, you know, kind of funded at this place, Nancy and I could easily go, okay, how about a vacation house here? How about let's get a ski boat there? And, you know, of course, we want to prepare for grandkids and set up memories and space. But instead, the conversation is like, how can we leverage something here now and spend money here now that will make a difference in eternity? And it'll be really where God has positioned us into pouring into other people in powerful, significant ways that blow our minds. And so I think that that's the key is, is your, what is your imagination about? Are you imagining heaven and what it's going to be like? And what, what is God's words to you? What does he care about in terms of what you did and did not do? Those type of imaginations are going to get you to do the work that is really going to be on point. Yeah. You know, Rob, we should talk about imagination and dreaming and things like that right now, because to those people that we love to serve, um, marketplace leaders, people that are executives, entrepreneurs, business owners that have found themselves loving Jesus and, and having success. When we start talking about imagination or or dreaming, it seems sort of like, well, I did that when I was young, or isn't that for children? And I just want to reset the topic, right? Is that every time we set a goal, a vision, a mission, we create clarity for our organization on where we're going next, it started and is still in our imagination. 
And then we tell people about it and they follow us. They say, okay, we're going to go where you're going. We're excited about what you're saying is going to happen by this date or when these things start to happen. And, and so we imagine it first. And that's why leadership is so deeply spiritual, right? Because if you're really leading, it all started on the inside of you and then had to get to the outside. And then we rally the people around us to galvanize them to go forward to where we want to go or where we think we need to take them. And that happens in business all the time. And it's when leadership happens. Now, in absence of that, it's chaos. And we've seen that kind of leadership or it can be leadership by policy and procedure and someone else's cookbook. But for those of us who decide that we're going to lead, it's what's on the inside that comes outside. And so if I'm going to spend time doing the meaningful in this life, if I'm going to do the work of suffering or making investment or taking risk or doing what you described about how do we do things now that are going to matter later, I need to have a later idea and, and a horizon mindset towards that end. So doing the work of our minds is really important. I find, Rob, that the follower of Jesus is so often led to just battle on today's don't do this stuff, right? And, and certainly don't look at pornography and don't cheat on your taxes and be faithful to your spouse and all these don'ts and rules and those sort of things. And supposing that we were to have a compelling outcome in front of us, that would inform a reason why I wouldn't even be wanting to think about that. Here's a trick. And I really, really believe this is that the cure for apathy and even addiction in my life or in my mind or, or issues there is actually the cure for that is adventure for Christ. Meaning that if I will be out there creating a life that has the outcomes that God is looking for from me and wants to partner with me that he had prepared for me to do in advance, knowing those things and going after them and having a, an imagination for that and a partnership with God now I'm thrilled and at some level, I might even be a little scared, but it's the risk of and the excitement of and the uncertainty as I'm turning these pages, what the outcomes will actually be. Uh, so that kind of mindset is what leads me to do the work here in my mind. Rob, could you talk about doing the work in terms of what is the day-to-day -day doing of the work to go after that horizon that we're talking about? I love what you said about living his design, because really that's the work we want to do. We talk about the 80-20 principle. The 20% is 80, 20% of the things you do really well. Your natural talents are going to yield 80% of your results. And so the challenge for us in doing the work is to find that 20%. What's really interesting about that 20% connecting it to our imaginations is, is God imagined us and imagined our design. That same word we're created in his image uh, also translates imagination. He was thinking about our design. And so, you know, that's a really difficult thing to, to do. It takes a, a lot of work to get guys to focus on it, but you, you're naturally gifted on these things where he has placed design in you. That's where you experience flow, rapid learning. You're looking forward to things. You're excited to things afterwards. 
And so that's where we need to engage in that work. And then when you combine that with what we're talking about is if your imagination is consistent with heaven and you're doing the work that heaven has imagined you doing from the beginning, that's when you get life to the full. It's so crazy. Like we, we talk about it like it's a sacrifice, but actually cutting short things in this life that maybe would be on par with the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, or the desire for other things in the parable of the soils, actually not doing those things and advancing in God's imagined purpose for you, that 20%, that work that's only designed and, and reserved for you is going to give us more life, more satisfaction, and more brilliant experiences where we uh, intertwine with the love of the Father. So, man, it's just such an important topic we're, we're hitting on. Yeah. You know, Rob, it strikes me that as we talk about this, it may stay overly conceptual and not practical, right? Is to say that, okay, I think everyone could agree. I need to have a compelling vision for my life so that I know what kind of outcomes I'm shooting for. So what is your life plan? Uh, and getting to the answers of that and then clarifying, God, what, what work did you set for me to do that I will be a partner in your work for? What have you called me to? What's my life's mission? These are questions that um, unanswered will will leave me in a place of just living for today or basically just trying to be a good person. And if I were to go further and say, okay, God, I now have a life plan. I understand what you made me for. Then I can start to make short-term missions or sprints towards that end goal. Like in my company, when I say that I want to see by the year, three years from now, this achieved, I'm going to make the sprints of the pieces that need to come together and the strategic pillars that I'm going to put in place to make sure that, that I get there. So I think the big question for the people that we're serving here and listening and the questions for ourselves is, what's our life plan? And what did God call us or call me to do? What did he prepare me for that I need to discover and stay after in that? And before I go past those two questions, we also need to clarify something because I find often, Robin, in our work together, uh, whether we're coaching or consulting, there's some lack of common understanding about what does God care about? We summarize it by mashing together two most important commandments that Jesus said everything hangs on and connect that to the great commission in Matthew 28, with which he said was our main goal. So we like to say it, love God, love people and teach other people how to love God and love people. Now, granted, that's an oversimplification of something that's beautiful and rich when we talk about loving God with everything within us. But when we talk about loving our neighbor as ourself, and then third, to say, hey, I'm going to go baptize, teach, and I'm going to be a part of what, what Jesus told us to do is to make followers of him by having people follow us while we follow Christ. So that whole model then is the thing that our father's business is. This is his business. And so if we're going to be in his business, uh, we're going to be we're going to be after that in our life plan. Okay, God, in my life plan, how can I help people love you more? How can I have people who follow me love other people even more than they do now? And how can this be a multiplication so that either through me or through others that 
I get to serve, they are doing this and replicating themselves into a movement. This is our father's business. So, so our life plan needs to match up to that. Thinking about the, the listener here, Rob, is that making sense to you in practical terms? That's it. I think you nailed it right there is like, how do you make this super practical? And what I find or that I make it more difficult for me to get through to a guy who I'm coaching is to really look in the mirror. I think that that's the challenge is we don't really spend time seeing what the father sees. You know, first thing is the father relationship is a brilliant connection that Jesus brings in as father is God, because your father, as you know, we're both fathers. We want to see our kids succeed. And we're so overwhelmingly excited about what they're going to do. So first step is we got to understand that the father's excited about what he's created and what he sees. So when we look in the mirror, that helps me look in the mirror a little bit better is that he's excited about you. He's excited about the talents he's placed in you. And then we have to practically just look at the talents we have. And the easy way to think about that for our listeners is that in the subject of do the work is the thing that you loathe, that you hate doing is probably something you suck at. And the thing (laughs) that you love doing and the thing that you enjoy and you indulge and, and you just can't wait to do it again is probably something that's in the area of your natural talent. And it's really critical practically to stop the stuff that you hate and loathe or that you find relationally hijacks conversation or even hijacks your marriage, like doing things that are destructive or because you're so bad at them and stopping those things and then leveraging or or scheduling the, the opportunity for you to do the things that you love more That's going to be, and then systematizing the rest or getting other people to do the marginal in between the 60% creating a 20% results in between. And that is a lifelong process. You don't get done by the end of the year. You've got to keep working on it. Yeah. It's the good landscaping of our life that keeps the weeds back and keeps us in a place of optimal outcomes. And as we say at the beginning, is that we're here to help you work less, make more. And and in that leverage, be able to be incredible in the calling that God's got on your life, the life mission he's got for you, and to be incredible with your family. And to do that, it's counterintuitive to some extent, because what got us here seemed to be the brute force of just doing everything and anything that it took to be successful. But having achieved a measure of success and whatever level of success that you're at, just deciding, hey, now's the time for me to leverage this and go after my natural talents, go after that 20% and then work towards the headroom that would allow me to have that life plan that I've got on a horizon and be pursuing it. Here's what we know, Rob, and I think this is what would scare anyone that's listening right now. If you don't change, if you live your life all 40, 50 years of whatever time frame it's going to take for you to become fully funded, whatever time frame that is, if all of you've done is to work, 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 and not leave any time for, any energy for, and it is quality, not necessarily quantity, but the impact that you can make in the kingdom that's going to matter in your family, all you'll do is spend your years recovering from that career. And it will be 
discussions on how come my kids don't call me anymore and where did everybody go and I've become irrelevant and I'm I'm trying to keep occupied with things that matter so little I'm just waiting for the grim reaper that I have seen as the American dream played over and over again and so I, I was with my sons this morning uh, we were doing our devotional and we were talking through this subject in terms of can you imagine that your life would be spent on something and your ladder was against the wrong wall. And then one day you get to the top of that ladder and realize I'm on the wrong side and I left everything that was important to do this one thing. But living our lives in a way with which we're getting headroom now that we've got success is to start to trust God for a connection to him that has real reward on it, has a real scoreboard on it. We could talk about this subject and go quite deep for quite some time. I think we've got some hanging chads we want to leave out there for our listeners. Uh, A couple of things that we'll follow up on is what's a life that God rewards? We need to go into that and help to connect to the scoreboard because money's been a scoreboard. Money is a scoreboard. But what would it mean if I had a scoreboard that was grander than that and that I could imagine and be connected to that would compel me forward? I think that's a question that we'd love to answer in a future topic, because as we continue to say, I want to have something compelling on the horizon. I want to have a life plan. I want to know, God, what did you make me for? And then to be after that, it's our life's pursuit to build the life that will be rewarded and honored eternally because we've only got a short period of time on this blue marble. And while we're here, it's making the most of it. So Rob, any closing comments here before we wrap on this episode? I think that's a great future topic is what is God's economy in this regard? Because I think it's really challenging in our culture. I don't think you get it necessarily in your Sunday experience where people are saying, hey, this is what eternity is like. Because I think that, um, you know, Paul even says, you know, when we die, we'll recognize that we are, Christ is in us. You know, if we had that picture now, and if we really understood God's economy and what heaven's going to be like, how would it change our day-to-day doing the work or our horizon output? And so I think you're right. I think we need to go into that a little further at a future episode, but really good to talk about this stuff and understanding what is the work that we have to do and how does your imagination and your dreaming impact the day to day? Hey, Rob, I think we've left them wanting. I hope so. What we do here on this podcast is give you a chance to be thinking about a life that matters. So that's all for this episode. We'll come back next time with more on this. Until next time, God bless you.